Thanks for watching another Theory Inc. video in which we hope to awaken the pondering mind through truth-seeking, questioning, and cerebral entertainment. Biocentrism is certainly one of my favorite theories, as always not because I necessarily believe it, I mean, I pretty much question everything in my life at this point, but when you follow the breadcrumbs of the theory back to its origin, it definitely makes you feel like something strange is going on. Now, a warning, there are many flavors of biocentrism, and it surely is one of those theories that gets tied up into a lot of mysticism, a lot of new age shenanigans. But hey, it's still worth a ponder, and it sure as hell is a lot of fun to think about. Biocentrism theory, or the biocentric universe, or the conscious universe, or panpsychism, or the- <sighs> See, you can see the problem right here. A lot of people have jumped in on this concept like Fortnite players on those stupid Ritalin-induced dances, but the basic underlying concept is an attempt to understand consciousness and its relationship to fundamental reality and the universe. It's a toe, it's a theory of everything, which posits that life, mind, or consciousness came first. Springing from the unorganized ether of potential and uncertainty, consciousness manifested everything in the universe, from the galaxies, the planets, and everything we observe with our five senses. And depending on who you're talking to, each universe is either completely created by your own individual mind, making you basically a god, or you're a part of a collective consciousness that came to an agreement on how reality is going to work. It's the idea that without an observer, the universe would either not exist in any way, shape, or form, or that the universe is just a giant bottle of unorganized potential and uncertainty. Kind of like that jar of expired sauerkraut in your pantry nobody ever wanted to open. It just sits there. Potentialless. Impotent. So where did this whole consciousness first idea start? Well, believe it or not, its scientific origins could be linked as far back as 1801 with the scientist Thomas Young as he was trying to learn about light and its properties. Was it a wave? Was it a particle? Well, he eventually studied light with an experiment called Young's Slits, or as popularized by the internet and something you've probably heard about from your stoned cousin at the last family reunion, the double slit experiment. Now, the double slit experiment has been explained all over the internet in a thousand different ways, so I'll just keep it quick. The basic concept is this. You have a particle emitter shooting particles, usually electrons or photons, at a board with two slits. Firing the electrons one by one through the slits will often create what's called an interference pattern or a wave pattern, which would suggest that the electron behaves more like a, you guessed it, a wave, rather than a singular particle. To clarify the difference between a wave and a particle, a wave typically has no real location, substance, or properties itself, but is more or less an effect on its surroundings. Kind of like how sound is considered a wave because it affects the air by causing it to vibrate around it. And a particle being something far more substantive, defined, and singular, like a bullet being shot out of a gun. You see, the weirdness and consciousness-first theories derive from when the electrons decide to behave like either a wave or a particle depending if it's being measured and observed. When left alone to its own devices, it behaves like a wave, an unorganized thing of pure potential. But when observed, it emerges as a solid particle with defined speed, location, etc. So, this wave-particle duality is where all that controversy comes from, 
and where the community typically divides in two. Those that believe that consciousness collapses the wave function of the electron and ultimately manifests our reality from that ether or uncertainty, or those that simply believe the instrumentation entering the experiment might be messing with the results, or that there's just some kind of principal function of the universe we don't understand, but consciousness probably has nothing to do with it. But now, enter the quantum eraser experiment. This is where it gets kinda crazy. I mean, honestly, who the hell knows what's going on, but it's a blast to speculate and theorize. The quantum eraser experiment takes the double slit experiment and really puts the whole consciousness affecting reality thing to the test. To give it an unjustifiably simple explanation, they start by sending a photon through another double slit, but once it goes through one or the other slit, the photon then passes through a type of crystal that splits the photon into two photons. Now, it should be noted at this point that the splitting actually entangled the two photons, and although the concept of entanglement is a whole other principle we can deep dive into later, just take note that the twins share the same properties mirrored to one another. So as the twin photons continue, they go two different directions. The first twin would go to the same screen and generate a pattern just like in the standard double slit experiment. However, the other twin would be sent to a recording device to determine which slit it originally went through before they were divided. Well, can you guess what happens? As soon as they determine which slit the original singular photon went through, boom, the photon behaved as a particle again. This is kind of nuts because the implication is that it shows some kind of information being shared between the two twin photons. The fact that our measurement or observation of one twin photon retroactively affecting the other is just mind-boggling. But oh boy does it get weirder. They then decided to add on another component. What would happen if every other photon goes through the same exact process but the information of which slit it originally went through was deleted, unobserved by anyone? How would its twin behave? Sure enough, if the data was collected and observed, it acted like a particle. But if the data was collected and then immediately deleted, we get that interference pattern again. So there you go, it could be argued that without an observer, matter, at least on the subatomic scale, is uncertain, unorganized if you will, until it's observed. I have another compelling reason to consider biocentrism and it comes from the random number generator from the Global Consciousness Project. This one has a lot less hard data and it's all about the interpretation of it, so like with anything, consider all sides. But the Global Consciousness Project is an attempt to detect possible interactions of global consciousness with physical systems. One of those systems being the random number generator. The basic concept is that they have a network of machines all around the world just sitting there spitting out random numbers. All day, every day, just a lot of random numbers without any kind of influence or pattern making. It's just random. However, whenever there's some kind of mass catastrophe, like on a global scale, some kind of global movement affecting millions of people around the world that is rich with emotion, these random numbers start to get a lot less random, and seem to start spitting out detectable patterns. A few examples include when Princess Diana died, when 9-11 transpired, even when O.J. Simpson received the jury's verdict. 
Now, there is obviously a lot of skepticism and criticism for the Global Consciousness Project, as there should be, which makes the argument that our human brains are basically pattern recognition machines, and it's typical to see patterns even where there are none. I think that's probably true, because how many times have you stared at your ceiling and started seeing shapes and animals and all sorts of other things without even trying? Overall, all these theories and experiments might suggest that where there is true randomness, like electron uncertainty from the interference pattern we just visited, or a random number generator, consciousness would seem to have a fundamental way of creating its own patterns, organizing and manifesting reality around itself. If you'd like to learn more about biocentrism, or whatever name you want to call the consciousness first theory, I'd suggest looking more into these guys. Robert Lanza, who is largely known for having coined the term biocentrism and has a book of the same name, Niels Bohr, who was the big part of the Copenhagen interpretation that states consciousness is the fundamental collapser of all things uncertain on a subatomic scale, and one of my personal favorites, Tom Campbell, who takes a much more virtual reality simulation sort of spin on the theory and gets into some really clever and pondering inducing ideas. And now for the fun part, taking the concepts we just learned about and irresponsibly stretching these theories far beyond the confines of anything we could ever hope to prove. So what does it mean that consciousness came first? Well, if you go deep enough, you'll start connecting a lot of hypothetical dots. This theory really is a theory of everything because since consciousness can effectively dream up anything, it could easily explain aliens, ghosts, and just about anything else your supernatural heart can dream of. So doesn't that make us all gods? Yeah, sure, kinda, I, guess, I, don't, I don't know. But if we're all part of a shared system of consciousness, or as Tom Campbell likes to call it, the Big C, and we collectively manifest our own reality, is there any way to be able to control it? Maybe. If science can find a way to understand it, there's a chance we can wield the power of manifesting reality. Maybe if we get enough people to start believing in, say, a dragon made out of chocolate that spits bomb diss tracks, we can make it so. Just make a petition for millions to sign, and boom, bam, boom, Bob's your uncle, and you got the most fire album for our generation. But following that train of thought, what does this say about religion? Surely, even in today's age, the majority of the planet believes in some form of deity. So where is he, her, it? Who knows? Maybe we're just so divided on the nature of a deity, it just never manifested. Too conflicted. Either way, we're nowhere close in my estimation of proving such a theory, but as always, it's surely fun to awaken the pondering mind. Thanks again, guys. It's always a blast to learn about what different people believe in, and having even a shred of scientific influence is like icing on the cake. Here at Theory Inc., it's all about the questions and not the answers. Trust me, I still have plenty of theories and ponderings of the mind to produce, so stay tuned. And I'd like to give a special shout out to all those first subscribers that came in. It was really cool carrying on the conversation in the comments. It really warmed my heart to see so many people jump in and start pondering themselves. That's what this is all about. And of course, I would love it if you liked and subscribed as it goes a long way to help this new channel. And if you'd like to read the blog post that goes a little more in depth along with other similar ponderings, you can find it at theoryinc.com. Thanks, guys. Stay pondering.